You're now listening to the Washington football team declassified podcast with my dad. You're going to love it. Washington football team declassified listeners. We got a special guest in the building. We got the guy who predicted the success of Antonio Gibson last year before anybody else. I want this on record. I don't think anybody else was expecting much from Antonio Gibson, but this man right here came on our podcast and said that this guy was Joe Mixon in the making, Manny Benton. What's up, Manny? Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me back on. And I, I, I will say, you know, I don't, I don't boast or anything, but I will say I had a lot of arguments with people when Washington drafted Antonio Gibson because they thought that he was a receiver and not a running back. So that part right there, yeah. I just want to let everybody know, he is a running back. <laughs> I you know, should know I, that by now. <laughs> you have to know that by now. And I saw those <laughs> arguments, and, and you held your own, man. And not only was it Gibson, I also asked you about Julie Donaldson. And you told me that she was going to be great because of her integrity. And look, yeah. man, I think she had a phenomenal first year. Would you agree? Oh man, I I, I think so. I, you know, I, I'm I'm just really so um, in awe of how this organization. I don't know if it's going to result in wins yet, but I um, am very very pleased with Julie Donison, um, the addition of Jason Wright, and just the additions that they've made. I, I think has been going to be truly beneficial for this football team. Yeah, a lot to look forward to, man. So we had uh, we had the 2020 slash 2021 season. I think we had some ups and we had some downs. And I, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go through each position uh, and grade the coaches of those positions. I'm going to start right here with the secondary. Chris Harris is the main DB coach. Our secondary, quite honestly, I think played very well, um, all yeah. things considered. We had Ronald Darby come off the streets. A lot of people were hating on that move, but look what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so where are you at with the grade for the secondary coaches? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I'm going to go with a, a B plus here um, because I think that I think that uh, this this secondary got a lot um, out of the young players. Um, you got Cam Cam Curl who came in and started playing really well, and, and like you said, Darby came in and nobody expected him to play at the level that he played at, and he held his own throughout the entire year. And, and Kendall Fuller played well. There was some some down spots here and there, but. Um, I think I think the secondary overachieved, um, which I think you're going to see a lot in this Ron Rivera and, and Jack Del Rio defense. But I think they, uh, I, I think Chris Harris did a great job coaching up what he had. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was on I was on a B. I didn't give it an A. I didn't give it the B plus because I thought Troy Apke was in there way too long at the beginning of the season. That was my only oh, yeah. knock on <laughs> You know, I've erased that from my memory. I don't even, I don't, I don't even know who Troy Apke is right now. <laughs> <laughs> For good reason. So yeah. we're, we're both, we're both happy with what we got from the secondary uh, defensive line, Sam Mills, um, that's where all our, all our, our blue chippers are. You know what I'm saying? On the defense. Yeah. Uh, how do you think they performed this year? What grade do you got there? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to give, and, and it shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm going to go and go with an A. And I'm going to say this too. I don't know, I don't know if this has been said enough, but I've heard from numerous um, people now to um, to know that this is pretty true. That early in the year, um, the the unit wasn't really yielding to Sam Mills as a coach because you're talking about a bunch of alpha males 
who have had so much success at the collegiate level and um, getting into the, the NFL and having, you know, some set, some success, the Alabama wall, um, Ioannidis and, and the crew. Um, but I, from what I've heard is um, those guys at some point it clicked and they started to really yield and listen to Sam Mills. And I think that's when you saw them really, really begin to gel as a unit. I think they, they were already doing well from just their raw talent, but I think it's just a testament to them yielding to Sam Mills and, and, and him being a hard-nosed guy to stand up to all these alpha males and say, no, it's, it's my way, you know, or, or, or the highway pretty much. So yeah, I, I give him an A. Oh, wow. Okay. See, I had no idea about that, you know? So yeah, that's breaking news right here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give him uh, an A as well. I, I, I just love what Deron Payne brings in the run game, man. He's, he's such yeah. a violent player. Love to see that. Love to see that. But you summed it up nicely. I got an A there. Um, all right. Linebackers. Uh, who do we have? We have Kevin Pierre-Lewis. We had Cole Holcomb. We had uh, Bostic. Yeah. Other guys. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Leave me in here. Tell me about these. Apparently, lines. Thomas Davis was on the team. Apparently, <laughs> we know he was there in preseason. I don't know yeah. what happened. Um, Steve Russ is the guy there. Uh, what grade are you giving him? Yeah. So, so this one, um, you know, he he didn't have a lot to work with. I'm going to go with the C minus here, um, just because I think that you did see a a few flashes with you know Cole Holcomb when he was healthy. I think he he showed some flashes and Bostic. He had some games here and there, even K, K, uh, L, uh, KPL. Um, I know they had some really high expectations for him and his speed. Um, there were some times where he looked really bad. There were some times when he looked really good. But um, I'm, I'm going to go with a C- minus here. There, there's some work that needs to be done with this unit, just adding more talent to it. But I think he did an okay job coaching him up. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty down on this group. And I think you're right. I think it's it's a talent problem, maybe not coaching. I just felt like a lot of the linebackers were inconsistent from week to week. And what I want to see from a coach is be able to get the most out of the player. That most might not be a very high bar, but be able yeah. to consistently get the most out of the players that you do have and see what happens. And I felt like it was way too inconsistent for me. So I'm going to go with the D for our guy, Steve Russ. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Special teams. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see any dynamic plays in our return games all year. It, it, to me, it was just, it was a hot mess. Um, our coverage, I thought was pretty decent. We had uh, Cam, uh, Cam Sims. Yeah, he, he's a dynamo on special teams on coverage. Um, we didn't give up too many big plays in the return game, but we didn't make any big plays whatsoever ourselves in the return game. I'm going to go first uh, with, with Ben Jacobs. I'm going to give him uh, a C just because we didn't, you know, there were no pop plays for me. Uh, where are you at on that one? Okay, so I, I'm actually a little lower than you on this one. I'm um I'm going with a D, um because I and 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 the reason I'm going to D is because of Tressway, but also Tressway he had a few games there where I think even he would say were unusual for him. Um, you know you had you had a guy in in um in Steven Sims back there who week after week um was just a liability. And they consistently put him out there. And I, and I know they, according to Ron Rivera, believe that um, they really had nobody else to throw back there. But um, it, it was too many. You, you can't afford to give up plays on special teams. Uh, you just can't afford to miss 
um, kicks, like easy kicks, like, like Dustin Hopkins did several times this year. And you can't afford to turn the ball over, which which happened several times this year. So I, I got to go with D just because um, I feel like they didn't do enough to, um, you know, move Steven Sims out of the position he was in and, um, you know, et cetera. You know what? You just talked me into an F for the special teams. I had totally, <laughs> I had totally forgotten about Hopkins and those missed kicks and the mixed uh, extra points and what that cost us early in the yeah. season. I think he cost us a game or two there, yes. um, you know, halfway through the season or so. So you're right. I'm taking my C. I'm going to tell Ben Jacobs, because of you, he was a C. He's not looking at an F on his report card this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Yeah, yeah, he earned it, not not us. So, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so we lost Bill Callahan, and then came um, John Matsko, uh with the O line. A lot of shakeups there, a lot of injuries, guys in and out of the lineups. Um, how do you think he did for what he had? You know what? I think this may have been the best coaching job on the team, uh, in my opinion. And I, and I'm going to give them an A. In my opinion, for for what he was dealt with, um, there was some injuries up front. Um, guys you don't even know their names uh, Lucas coming up and, and playing I think and what's uh Wes uh weird last name I can't even pronounce it right now 71 who balled out I think a few times especially on the right side and on the left side I think he's he's getting his feet under him there um I'm giving them an A because I feel like I feel like they they definitely overachieved um but week after week I feel like he had the offensive line and in, in position to succeed. And I know some people would think that, oh, you know, the quarterbacks were sacked a few times. But I think if you go back and you look at some of those games, you will, you will begin to blame it a little bit more on the quarterbacks than the offensive line. Absolutely right. I, I could not agree more. And what I discredited Steve Russ for, I'm going to credit uh, John here because he got the most out of the guys that he had. We, we brought in some journeymen, Cornelius Lucas, Right. Who yeah. thought we were going to get much out of him? Um, the guy we got from Atlanta, whose name uh, is uh, slipping me right it's now. Schweitzer. There, there we go. Yeah. There it is. People were talking about we need to sign him to a long term deal at some point. It might have been a little overreaction and all that. But, you know, yeah. he just seemed to be able to motivate his guys to do the best that they could, even if it wasn't going to be better than the guy that was playing across for them on the defense every down. I love to see yeah. that. I love to see that. I'm, I'm a plus right there. Yeah. All right. Tight ends. We we had a group that coming into the season, I think if I remember last season or last year, you were pretty high on Logan Thomas coming into the season. Um, and then we also had uh, the Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus. He ended up getting hurt. And yeah. we got a little bit of Tamaric Hemingway throughout the season. But I think ultimately it was really Logan Thomas and then everybody else in that position group. Um, how do you rate that? Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't. Um, I, I liked the potential of Logan Thomas, but I did not expect him to play at the level that he played, and I feel like he consistently got better as the year progressed. So I'm giving this unit a B minus because of Logan Thomas and because of him only. Um, and you know, I, I just there was there was nobody else that stepped up, and it may be more so a talent issue, um, but. It was Logan Thomas' show, and as you said, it was you know nobody else behind him. Yeah, and that's uh, Pete Honer, the coach there. Do you 
Do you see Logan Thomas as a long-term tight end one, or do you think, you know, eventually we'll be looking for a guy that's going to be a legit tight end one? I think he's one of those, like a one A or one B kind of player. So like, he's a one on this football team, but around the league, I think he could be a one B ish or a a high end too. Um, So I think you want to still look to improve upon that, but I, I would be fine with Logan Thomas being a top guy, but definitely want to bring in another guy for sure. Yeah. The the only real issue I had with him was uh, he has a small catch radius sometimes that just drives me nuts uh, for a guy that has the athleticism to convert from quarterback to tight end. I just want to see him be a little bit more aggressive going after the ball. And then of course, with yeah. his route running, I think he was critiqued about that quite a few times with rounding up routes throughout the season. But um, yeah. you, statistically, you have to be happy with what you got out of there based on the expectations coming in. So um, right. I'm, I'm going to go with the B there as well. Okay. All right. Our, our longest tenure coach, Randy Jordan, with the running backs. We know about you and Gibson. Uh, <laughs> we have McKissick this year. And, you know, it's hit or miss with who you talked about, how to perform. I think at the end of the day, you have to be happy with what you got out of McKissick. Um, I know I personally felt like some of the carries and opportunities he got early in the season should have been going to Gibson a little bit earlier. Maybe we would have seen yeah. some different results there. Um, and then with the, uh, the 34, every time he got in the game, the ball never seemed to go anywhere. Now, except for in, in the red zone, um, Peyton Barber. I, I liked what he did at the goal line, but everywhere else on the field, I was just hoping he didn't get in the game. I didn't see much there. Um, I For Randy Jordan, I went with the C plus just because of Gibson's progression and what they got out of McKissick. I just, I think the usage of those running backs wasn't where I wanted it to be. How about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, and see, and, and I don't know if it's Randy Jordan or if it's a, if it's a Scott Turner thing. Um, but I do feel like they could have done even more with the running backs. And it's interesting because I, I remember hearing from numerous reporters, and I'm, I'm going to go with a, a B here. Um, I remember hearing from numerous reporters that, that uh, you know, saw, saw the training camps and, and stuff um, of just how much Gibson and McKissick was used on the field at the same time. And I just feel like we didn't see it enough this year. And and I'm just wondering if it's more so uh, what what was the quarterback comfortable with or, or what, um, you know, I noticed that Scott Turner, you know, he seemed to he seemed to adjust the system pretty well, depending on who was in that quarterback. Um, but I just feel like they could do a better job at, at getting these running backs, um, you know, more more plays and um, just using them a little a little better. And I agree with Peyton Barber. Um, I think he had one game there that maybe it was that Dallas game where Gibson went off too, where he mm-hmm. had several, several pretty good carries. Um, but I, I'm always of the mindset that regardless of who you have at, at running back, you should always look to draft one every single year. And, um, and I, I could see them doing that, you know, somewhere late in the draft, but, but Gibson is, is the guy there for sure. Moving forward. Yeah. The, the other thing that confused me earlier on was when they let AP go, and kept Barber around. I didn't, I felt like AP seemed to have a little bit more juice than Barber did, um, but not my decision. So yeah, super. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we got Drew Terrell with the wide receivers. Um, Man, it was Terry McLaurin 
and then a bunch of who's it, what's it's <laughs> running routes yeah. out there. Yeah. We had Inman at the beginning of the season as a starter. Uh, Isaiah Wright was out there early. Cam Sims. Um, I mean, you name it. It was like guys off the street. Um, just all kind of weirdness going on at that position. Um, and I didn't really see personally a lot of improvement in how they played throughout the season. In fact, I think statistically Terry McLuhan got a little bit worse as the year went on. That could have been due to injury and whatnot, right. but, and obviously the quarterback play was something of a mystery, but I just, I didn't see a lot to be motivated about at the wide receiver position. And uh, my only choice is to put that on a coach. And I, I'm going to go a D plus here. How you feel about it? Yeah, I'm, I, I think I, I have a D. Um, you could probably convince me to go to a D plus just because of Terry. Um, but I agree, even with Terry, um, and, and again, it, it could be the quarterback play. It could be the fact that he did um, play injured for a while there. Um, but I, I, was the, the, I was unimpressed with the receiver group as a whole. Um, you know, I, I think that Cam Sims showed some promise and some flash, um, which he did a lot several for the past several years in, in preseason and, and in training camp finally kind of paid off a little bit in, in the regular season. But um, I don't know. I don't know what's up with this group. Of course, talent is probably an issue. Um, I know a lot of people had high expectations for Steve Sims and, and for some reason he just, he didn't, you know, play up to that, but um, I'm going to go a, a D here. Uh, this, this unit could definitely use some, some fresh legs and, some fresh ability. I'm going to ask you this question though. Yeah. What what are you? Because you, you you mentioned Terry McLaurin. Do you think he's a one? Oh like man! A bona fide one? <laughs> I've been trying to solve this equation all year long, and and my personal opinion is I think Terry is an elite two slash really good number one receiver. There are things I think he can't do, um, at least not on the level of let's say a Julio Jones, right? Like. Deep balls are still something that I don't think he does in an elite level. Um, I think, you know, just working his way open sometimes, I think is still something he's growing at. Um, And honestly, you know, he's a third round guy. Um, He wasn't the guy at Ohio State. I think Terry kind of is what he is, which is just a really elite number two slash really good number one but I don't I don't think he'll be an elite number one receiver and there's nothing wrong with that like he's a really good player in the NFL I would take the guy from Tennessee over him uh Brown I think uh as as a one for me and I kind of put him in that category just below um what's his name AJ Brown I think it is like I I think he's just below that tier what about you yeah you know this has been it's been a tough one for me because receiver is has for a long time been one of my favorite positions to study. And, um, you know, anybody who's followed, you know, the way I kind of talk about receivers pre-draft is I always tend to um, gravitate a little more to the receivers who come out that are younger um, because there is a legit stat there that, that the older receivers who come out who had a lot of success in college, um, they're either going to bust in the league or they're not going to have that high of an upside. And Terry McLaurin came into the league, I think surpassed all expectations. And I think he definitely defied that, that 
thought in that that system of mine in, in, in terms of um, judging receivers. But um, I, I do wrestle with this and wondering if he is what he is right now. And, and what he is to me right now is a low-end one, a one on this football team, but a low-end one league-wide. And, and as you mentioned, like maybe a, a high-end two. I, I think that I've seen enough from him now to know that he can be a big play guy, um, especially like after the catch. With yeah. those, you see a lot of those bang gates and stuff. But as you mentioned, and, and I think the, the wide receiver coach mentioned this pre, uh, you know, preseason of uh, wanting to get him to do a little better at those outside the number routes and stacking defenders, um, getting those 50-50 balls. I, that's what you want from a wide receiver one. And he's done it sometimes. This, this is the big conundrum because it's like he, I feel like he's, he's flashed this sometimes, but he hasn't done it consistently. And I think Washington football team fans really need to admit that he just hasn't done it consistently enough. And so this is the whole reason why to me, they have to get a guy that can stretch the field that can play outside the numbers because I think that's just going to open it up even more for Terry to really be a, a big playmaker in the middle, middle of the field. A hundred percent. I could not agree more. And, and people always get rubbed the wrong way when you say that, like guys, this guy was a third round pick. He has completely exceeded expectations. Be happy with that. Be happy yeah. with that. The team to me said last year when they were pursuing top end wide receivers that they wanted a wide receiver one and that maybe they felt like Terry wasn't that guy not that he's bad, he's just not the elite number one that they wanted. Now, was Amari Cooper that answer? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think this offseason, they're still going to pursue that too. So, um, and, and you're going to be much more fortunate with two guys um, at a high level skill set. And then just, you know, Terry's not the guy that he's the only receiver you have and he just carries your whole offense. He's not that kind of guy, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Elite number two, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Um, all right, so here's the most complex position group that we're going to talk about. <laughs> I have no idea how to grade this one, so you this, can go ahead first. All right, I'm going to go first. So we're, we're talking about quarterbacks. We got Ken Zampezi. Um, Dwayne Haskins came in, played four games, got benched, uh, did not look great. Um, I thought he had some moments in that Cleveland game where I felt like maybe he was starting to turn the corner. He made some really difficult throws. Um, and then it just, you know, the Baltimore game came. He had some good moments. We were always playing from behind. It didn't seem like the coach was in love with uh, with them um, as a as a player, and maybe his work habits. So that ended quickly. Then we got into Kyle Allen. It, <laughs> uh, you know, it he, he looked like the fifth round pick that we signed. He came in, played some exciting football for a few moments, got hurt, came back, got hurt again. You, you just you don't know. Uh, then we went to Alex Smith, and and Alex Smith against the Rams and a few other teams looked awful. Um, I think PFF said he was a pretty average to below average quarterback um, looking at the advanced metrics, but he won some games. Um, so you got to credit him with that. And then you, of course you had uh, Heineke in the playoff game. Um, my grade on this position group, I think is going to be somewhere in the C range. Um, I don't think talent wise beyond Dwayne, there was a ton to work with. Alex Smith was not the old Alex Smith. We all knew that Kyle Allen, um, is what he is. I mean, he came into the league not very heralded or heralded very high, and I think he proved that this year. 
Um, and Heineke, I don't even want to get into that <laughs> at this point. We'll touch on that. Just not right now. Um, Heineke. Heineke. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the C. And I'm going to stop myself from talking before I get a lot of hate mail. So you go ahead, man. <laughs> well, I'm going to go slightly under you. I'm going to go with a C minus. Uh, because as you said, it's, uh, it's, it's a crowded, crowded group there. And, um, and it's, it's hard to grade this unit. It, it is really hard to grade this unit. Um, but I would say from, you got to look at, as you, you went down the whole line there, um, starting with Dwayne, um, this, this organization knew that, that Dwayne wasn't their guy. And so, you know, for whatever reason, they stuck with him and, and it just wasn't working early this season. And so, you know, you have to, that, that does go into the equation a bit. I just feel like um, either on his end, which probably it was his more on his end, he just wasn't prepared to play the, to play the game and to play him within the scheme. Uh, he just looked very, um, lackadaisical and just uncertain. Um, and, and so as you go further down the list, Cal Allen had some bright spots there, um, made a few plays, but I think, you know, more so even with, with, with Allen and Henneke, both of these players have a little bit of, um, like that gamer to them, kind of like that Colt McCoy kind of gamer yeah. where they don't have elite arm talent. They're not fast. Um, they're not that agile, but they can move a little bit and they just have the, the, uh, the, the ability to just um, be aggressive with their, their play style. And, and of course, that sometimes results in injuries. And that's the concern with both of them. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they did a good job preparing Henneke for the playoffs. But a lot of that he kind of did on his own. So I can't really, you know, credit the, the quarterback coach too much there. And then Alex Smith um, is a guy, of course, he's smart. Of course, he would learn the system quickly and grasp things well. He had a few games there where um, he looked pretty, pretty good. I mean, he made some plays. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's, as I said, it's, it's hard to grade this unit. And um, I, I just feel like you can't go any higher than the average mark which you know is the c minus c c c plus area absolutely and and i know everybody says Dwayne didn't prepare but the organization needed to identify that before the season that he wasn't that guy and do something yeah. else before the season started so they get knocked for that um and then you know your description of heineke and allen are the description of a backup quarterback. He comes in and spurts, has whimsical games, you know, is all over the field doing what he does and then goes back to the bench when the starter comes back, you know? Yes. Um, you put that over 16 games, 17 games, whatever they decide to do in 2021, and you're going to have problems because defenses are going to start to figure out what they are and then you're going to see a different result. And then at that point, it comes down to talent. And those guys don't have the talent that some of your higher pedigree guys do. And so you're going to have issues. It's that simple. Yeah. Not being mean yeah. to those guys, it's, that's just the reality of the NFL. Yeah, totally right. agree. Yeah, so defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, uh, year one with us, a lot of experience in the league. Um, man, you know, the defense was, I think, in, in total yardage, ranked in the top five. I think at some point we were number two, maybe settled yeah. out somewhere near four, but an aggressive defense. Um, 
in terms of stopping the run. Um, pass defense was awesome for a lot of the year. Where'd you land on Jack Del Rio's performance this year? Um, I'm going to give him a, a B plus. Um, I think the unit was very good. Um, it was definitely a big improvement from the previous years. And I, and I do mean years, plural. Uh, it, it was a very uh, different defense. I feel like um, just the, the whole mindset of the unit, I think, was um, was different. So I, I give Jack his, his credit. I think he coached up um, some players who um, definitely you could label as overachieved, um, played a lot better than they probably should have. But because of his his tutelage, um, they play well. So I, I would give him a B, B plus. Okay. Um, what would it have taken for him to gotten an A from you? Um, you know, I think it was, so for one, this defense all year year long was a slow starter. Yeah. You know, I think they, they played better in the second half in almost every game than they did in the first half. And so it's something there now. I give him credit because he he adjusted, and I think we're going to get, going to say the same thing a little bit about uh, Scott Turner. He adjusted, but he has to get this defense moving a lot earlier in games so that they can be in a position to win games next year and moving forward. Yeah, the you're 100 percent right, or I agree with you completely about the adjustments at halftime, and I was giving him credit for that. But you're right; there's another responsibility to have your team prepared to play in the first half too. So where I give him credit for the adjustments. You got to take a little bit away from not coming out the gates better. Um, but on the, on the Joe Barry scale <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and uh, all the other guys, Greg Minuskis, I'm going to go with just, I'm going to give him an A because we've seen such terrible defensive coaching for so long. It was such a breath of fresh air to see what he's done. The, the question that we're going to have to answer going in this season is what's the sustainability of Jack Del Rio's defense over the long haul. Um, I think you've seen regression, um, you know, over the course of his tenure in different places, some of that's cap reasons uh, and, and other things. But I just, I want this defense to stay as good as it is and get better and not cause a regression. But for now, I'm gonna give him an A. All right. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna take a deep breath. Scott <laughs> Turner and the offense, I'm gonna let you go first. What do you have here? So off the bat, I'm going to give him a C. And so the reason why I'm giving him a C is because I'll say it's, it's, a, it's a story of like two, two halves of the season for Scott Turner. I feel like the first half of the season, um, I, I was ready to say, okay, this is not the guy. Yeah. Um, but as, as the season went on, I started to see more that I think that maybe it was, I don't want to say that, that Dwayne was holding the unit back, but I feel like he 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 was able to change up things a little more as they got Cal Allen in and as they got Alex Smith in, especially when Alex Smith started to really settle down um, and get back into game form. Um, there's some things about Scott Turner that I, that I really like. There's some things that I do have concerns about. Um, his reluctance to stick with the run game, that's going to be interesting to see moving forward. Um, again, just creating, um, using those two running backs and just doing a little more to create. He started to get better at that towards the end of the year. Um, I remember Ron Rivera saying that it's going to take a year for this offense to really be what it could be. So we'll see this upcoming season. There's some things I do like about Scott Turner. I think he has some really 
really good potential, but I'm, I'm going to give him that average grade of a C right now, just because um, I don't think he did enough to, you know, have high praise. And I don't think he did enough to, to downgrade him as, you know, being a bad coach. I'm going to disagree with you. I think he did plenty to be downgraded <laughs> as a <You> coach. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a couple of reasons, man. Um, we had some situations. It might've been a Lions game, right? We're driving down the field. Um, we're moving the ball on the ground and then he calls a trick play, right? That took us completely out of the red zone. And I yeah. think the next play, Alex took a bad sack and we got out of the, uh, out of field goal range or, or close to that or something like that. It just, his calls were so untimely. It seemed like it just, we'd start establishing a rhythm, beating the run or the quick pass game. And then it would just be this really weird call that made no yeah. sense. It was like something I'd call if I was playing Madden or something, you know, um, <laughs> the, you mentioned it, not sticking with the run. I, there were some games early in the season um, where I think Gibson was doing real well. Um, he caught a couple screens, and it was like we'd never see another pass to him for, or, or handoff to him for 30 minutes. And I'd be like, what's going on, man? Like, why are we doing this? Um, his offense was very lateral this year. Now, that could have been because of the quarterbacks. I don't know. But everything was sideways, and that frustrated me quite a bit. The other thing was receivers in the same place on routes that drove me nuts you know how many times yeah. we saw two and three receivers running the same exact route at the same exact depth last year it was mm. you know is that is that a function of the quarterback not getting the play correctly in the huddle possibly but whose job is to fix that you know what i mean so yeah. I, I i went d and that's me being kind just because like you said there was a little bit of, of improvement at the end of the year Though I think a lot of the credit goes to some of the off script stuff that Alex Smith did and also Heineke in that playoff game. A lot of what Heineke got credit for in that playoff game was off script stuff, not stuff within the confines of the offense. So, yeah, yeah, you made, you made some good points there, man. <laughs> I, I'm definitely probably being a little, little too generous to Turner, but there, there, I think there's, there's, a, there's a few things that I saw with them that leave me with a little bit of hope but the part that you mentioned about the the cluster of receivers I forgot about that and um yeah that was a huge issue I remember actually listening to Chris Cooley break that down and um and he blamed it he said it's either one of two things it's either Scott Turner is um drawing his routes too close to one another or it's the receivers not running the right routes the right way, right, right way. And he kind of landed on uh, the receivers not running their routes right um, because of, you know, just, just looking at their, their steps that they take and kind of circling off their routes um, and running into one another. It, it just it happened a lot. And, and Cooley kind of blamed him on the receivers. So, um, you know, that was, that was definitely – weird to see especially in this you know Washington has actually had the privilege of having some some good offensive coordinators as far as being able to scheme up things yeah. and scheme open receivers I mean we you know had McVay uh, you know Cal Shanahan um, and even Gruden like all of these guys are, are pretty masterful at getting receivers open and for some reason uh, Scott Turner wasn't able to do that. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do remember Cooley kind of blaming that on the receivers more so. Yeah. I mean, and that's not to say that I'm not excited to see where it could be year two, but 
Yeah. What I saw in year one left a lot to be desired. So we're at the head man in charge, Ron Rivera himself, right? The centerpiece of the organization um, fought through a lot of adversity from a health perspective last year. Um, you know, he definitely got the buy-in from the players on the team. You can't take that away from him. Um, I'm going to give him, eh, I'll go B minus. And I have my reasons, but I want to hear your grade and your reasons first. You said B minus? B minus. I'm going to go with the, I'll go with the B. And I could definitely go with the B minus. So I think, I, I, I love Rivera. I'm on Team Rivera right now. And, and Rivera, we trust and all that. Like, I'm on it. Um, I feel like he's done a great job at um, being a delegator, being a head man in charge. Because you got to, when you talk about Rivera, I feel like you got to, you got to think in the whole totality of it all. Like, this man changed the, the blinds in the, in the building and, and made yeah. people's coffee. Like, he did everything. Um, and so I, I, I got to give him credit there. And he did all of this, you know, having cancer. So, uh, but I do think there, there was some moments there where I think if he would look back on it, he would do things differently. And I, and, and it begins to me with, with Dwayne Haskins. Yes. Um, I think he would look back and say, okay, I should have put my foot down. I should have said, this is not my, my starting quarterback before the year began because he knew like you could tell he knew and it's and it's very obvious because he benched him what was it three four games into the year right right and um he knew so i i just i feel like he could have done that before the season um then you have um and i know some people could argue against this but to me there was some times there where um you look at his before halftime plays where it's like for a minute there, they, they're trying to get down the field and then they call the time, they, you know, they just let the clock run out or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and then you see it, they saw it a few times towards the end of some games where it was just some poor clock management. Um, so there were some things there that, that we could nitpick on Ron Rivera and, and, and moving forward, there are going to be things, key things that, that we're going to have to definitely consider when, when, when talking about Ron Rivera, that, that clock management is definitely going to be something I know I'm going to be um, interested in and, you know, paying attention to moving forward. But yeah, I, I would give him a, a, a B. Yeah. You, you hit it right on the head. I mean, for me and the reason to be minus is, is Haskins. It has to be, I mean, he yeah. sold us on Haskins coming into the season Um now, and the, the training camp reports were not great about Haskins very early on. And they had the opportunity to put somebody else in there. And I think we all would have been all right with it and just said, hey, we're going to let Haskins go or we're going to put him on the bench and let him develop a little bit more. Um, the handling of the benching and the whole thing was a little bit odd to me. I felt like that could have been handled better, but whatever. Spilt milk, right? It's, it's just there was an inconsistency in the messages um, especially early in the season that really bothered me. Um, you know, the, the Apke playing, even though Apke was awful and everybody watching the game knew it, and, but he would say, we want him on the field. We want him to learn and, and develop. But then at the same time, he was benching Haskins, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it just, it was just mixed messages. And as a head coach and a guy that's in charge of everything, I think you have to be careful of that because in this town and most others with big media markets, you don't get a lot of second chances to set the message right. Um, now, of course, 
the cancer thing, and, and just the quality of job he did all around should obviously give him a little bit of grace there. I just, I felt like I wanted a little bit more in that area, so. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. All right, it is time for the first annual Manny Awards, the Mannies. <laughs> and, and this is all predicated on your ability to predict the outcome of Antonio Gibson's rookie year. So here we go again. The first Manny for the breakout star in this upcoming season goes to who? You know, I, I, I think people are going to hate me when I say this because it may be the easiest route, but I'm going to go Chase Young. And, and the reason why I'm saying Chase Young is because we saw glimpses of what he could be last year, but we have not seen what Chase Young could really be. And I think we're going to really see it next year. Like, I think we're talking about a guy that's going to have, at minimum, 13 sacks. I mean, we're talking about being able to disrupt plays every single game. Von Miller, you know, Aaron Donald kind of disruption. I think that's what we're going to see because this team hasn't seen it. You know, we this team has not seen that kind of player on any side of the football. And I, and I think that's going to happen next year. Okay. That may be the easy way, but I, that, it, it, I, I really see him breaking out next year. You know what? You're right. It was the easy way. But if you, if you have conviction about that, we're going to go with that. <laughs> the Breakout Star Award for the Manny Awards goes to Chase Young. On the inverse of that, the Get It Together Award. Who needs to improve? Who needs to get better, Manny? Yeah, so the, the player that I feel like the team really wants to see get it together and that, and like personally for him, needs to get it together. And, and it wasn't necessarily his fault. It's Sadiq Charles. I think people have forgot about Sadiq Charles because he got injured and he was injured mm. for most of the year and he played two snaps and then got injured. But I, I believe that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner are, are huge Sadiq Charles fans. And I think that they want to see him start next year. And so I think it's up to him to get his body right, to make sure he stays out of trouble and, um, and to prove himself on the football field because I, I really, like, I strongly believe that they want to see him um, break out and, and be the player that they think that he can be, which is a starting offensive lineman. I don't know if that's gonna be a left tackle or if it could be inside, because I do think he can kick inside because um, he has shorter arms. But I, I, I believe that he is the guy that they are kind of looking at to step up next season. All right, there it is. The Get It Together Award goes to Sadiq Charles. Now, I don't get to give out a Manny because I'm not Manny, but if I were, I would have went with AGG. I mean, what the heck happened to his rookie season? I don't know. When he was on the field, <laughs> I didn't know he was on the field. When yeah. he was off the field, there was no difference. It was just, it was a mess. But Sadiq Charles gets it. That's fine. Yeah, you know, the reason why I didn't go, I did think about AGG. But I, I was I was not that high on AGG coming out of the draft. And, um, and from what I've heard is that he has a very, very long way to go. I think that they were a bit surprised by how, how raw he, he is as a football player. So I just don't see him. I don't see it clicking next year for him. How can, how can that be the case though, with the coaching and the scouting staff in place, tons of, I mean, I guess film on Liberty is probably a little bit yeah. more limited. Some of your major colleges, how can you be surprised 
at, at that level about how raw somebody is. You know what? When I watched whatever tape was on YouTube about this guy, he did nothing but vertical routes. And I was like, what else can this guy do? And he's not fast. It didn't make sense to me. But how do you miss on something like that? I think they just, I think they went for a guy that just had some height, height weight to him and, you know, and had the ability, at least on, on film, to make plays over the top and had strong hands. Um, I, I don't know how they, I don't know if they expected him to come in and be able to make plays for them early last season, because I think they, I think they tried, they had them in some games. Um, and they tried to use him a little bit in training camp. But from what, I, from what I've heard from reporters and stuff is that he looked very, very raw in training camp and and throughout, you know, practices throughout the season before he got injured and after he got injured. I just, I don't, if I had, if I was a betting man, I, I just don't see him panning out. I, and, I, and, and I go back, I'm a big, I, I look at receivers and a lot of players from the, from the, from the feet up and, um, he just doesn't have it with his feet. It's not there. I know you're the soccer guy. You're you're the feet eats <laughs> guy. Okay, I know this for a fact. And and I thought about that <laughs> when I watched AGG. And and the thing is, for me, right? Am I? I'm not even an amateur looking at film. I'm just a dude who looks at film. But in order to be good at almost anything in life, you have to do something at an elite level, right? And then you can do some other things fairly decently. What does AGG do at an elite level? Nothing. He's not fast. Yeah. He's not a tremendous route runner. His go up and get the ball skills, eh, okay. But if you can't get open to even get to that point, what does that matter? You know what right. I'm saying? He, his suitcase was packed with a bunch of meh skills. There was no elite yeah. skills in there, and that's always going to spell problems. Can he develop into something? Uh, sure, I guess. It can snow in Texas, right? And who thought that would be the case? <laughs> But I, I, I'm with you. It was just like, what do you see here? Because I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. But yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Last Manny to go around. The GOAT award for the greatest all-time skin slash Washington football team player in Manny's eyes is whom? So, so do you want to you go from as far as greatest all-time that I've seen? Yeah, or your favorite, whatever you want to do. This is the Manny's. You make the rules, man. You tell me. <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the greatest that I've seen just because I don't, sometimes I don't, I, I like I have a few players in mind as far as the greatest Washington football team players of all time, but I just didn't really see them play yeah. that much. You know, like the Daryl Greens of the world and, you know, the Sammy Balls and stuff. Um, but the greatest player I've seen is, you know, it's pretty simple. It's Sean Taylor. Yeah. Um, I haven't, you know, maybe, and I and I do think Chase Young is going to end up being that kind of special talent, but uh, I have never, and still to this day, seen a safety play like him, and um, and have witnessed a player play like him. I remember going to camp as a kid, and and seeing him play in, in training camp, and dude, like, come on, just a, a gifted guy. Like he played the same way that he and he played in practice the same way he played. And games, yeah. um, there is not a player in my mind that that succeeds, you know, surpasses him as far as like in my my lifetime. Um, and I don't think there will be another Sean Taylor. Yeah, I you know honestly, uh, using the scope of our lifetime as as the metric, I don't really think I'm not that much older than you. I don't think, but I don't really think I've seen <laughs> a whole heck of a lot 
um, out there myself. Um, that's that's going to be anywhere in the same category. I mean, he was height, weight, speed, but he was also viciousness. He was production. You know, he, his range was out of this world. And he was what you don't have in today's NFL. He was an intimidator. You know what I mean? Like guys were not going anywhere near him. And if that yeah. ball was in the air for a while and they knew that was his zone, forget about it. They're not even going to try to catch that ball. They're coming down. At, now, another interesting question for another time would be what would Sean Taylor be in today's NFL with the rules that we have right now? But that's not yeah. the era he played in. And his greatness was unmatched. I 100% agree with you there. Yeah, yeah. Manny, I think that's it, man. I appreciate you hopping on with us. Um, you know, we'll see how these predictions do this year. But if, if your track record from last year where you're batting <laughs> a thousand holds true, I, I feel pretty confident what you laid down here today. <laughs> Lord willing, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always, always fun. All right, man. We'll we'll be in touch.